0: Section 20 of The Dial, May 1920, by Various. The Slippervox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Section 20. The Theater, by Gilbert Seldes. The current month in the New York Theater has been a constant temptation to the reviewer, who wants so much to set a date on things. The piece which stirred him most dated from three or four centuries before christ the production which caused the most comment was written in the seventeenth century a d the criticism which the month brought forth seemed to go back to that dim age when discrimination was not yet the proud property of the human race and the present reporter to make his point must invoke december eighteen ninety six as a temporal shield that season lacked the new lighting in the higher stagecraft but it was a fine year for it was the best of those years in which bernard shaw was critic for the saturday review the month was the month of sir henry irving's production of richard III. conscious of the incapacity of any one individual to make headway against the tide of approval setting in for john barrymore's richard i have turned to mr shaw and find these words written about one Barry Sullivan. If he had devoted himself to the drama instead of devoting the drama to himself as a mere means of self-assertion, one might have said more for him, so much for Barrymore, so much, by implication, for Arthur Hopkins. Of the three men concerned with this production, Robert Edmund Jones alone comes out of it with a great artistic achievement to his credit. His ingenuity and his imagination are equally admirable, and the fact that he provided a setting which literally towered above Mr. Barrymore and the ill-chosen rabble of his cast is not against him. It is not Mr. Jones' fault that he was asked to do well by a play which, if it had not been written by Shakespeare and did not provide a startling part for a very shameless actor, would never have come to production at all it was a production of hamlet with settings in another very distinguished style which really gave shakespeare his chance against the medea of euripides last month the critical mind could no more be satisfied with mr hampton's hamlet than with the entire production staged by maurice brown and ellen van valkenburgh but any mind at all must have been captivated by the thought that the mere subject and action not counting the beauty and dignity of the verse of these plays, had more power to move us than the most current of modern themes. Of the latter, Jane Clegg is an example. If the emotions of an audience can be stirred by illumination of their own lives, if careful observation and faithful transcription could project the accent of truth into the spoken words of a play mr irvine would lead this noble field of dramatists with jane clegg mr irvine actually sinks a few inches deeper into the rut of our serious writers for the stage his only accomplishment has been the complete bewilderment of the critics the dismal school of playwriting has never been so well served by the dull school of actors the theatre guild has all unconsciously done a perfect thing. The setting, the voices, the tempo, the grouping of this play are faultlessly suited to the subject. This in itself is so rare a phenomenon that the critics praised it, but since neither they nor the audiences took the trouble to find out why the play was so thoroughly unsatisfying, much had to be made of the restraint of the acting." it apparently did not occur to those who spoke of it and ordered some of our more tearful players to go see and be lessened in the art of acting that restraint in itself is no virtue especially when the dramatist has through some oversight neglected to supply one single human passion for the actors to express one wonders what shakespeare or shaw would say to a playwright who took a few snips and shreds of feeling stuck them to the bare mast of a social thesis and pretended that he had a sail filled with a violent wind of human energy if our actors and critics really cared a rap about restrained acting let them observe the work of mr russ whitehall in the letter of the law it is bruce's great gift to endow one or two personages in his thesis plays with life to give them background and depth such a one mr whitehall undertook to portray with a fineness and justice unsurpassed in many a day of our theatre here were emotion which grew with every check put upon it and a quite exceptional intelligence mr lionel barrymore was much better in this play than any one who had seen his nary had any reason to expect but it is mr whitehall alone who created the tragic dignity without which the play would have remained Foreign to our lives. End of section twenty.